Okay, so we're gonna do, get into our, um, officially get into our vision series. We did an overview uh, last time I talked and we're gonna recap a little bit of that, but I've got some slides tonight. Um, and so we're gonna start, I'm gonna go to the first slide and we're gonna look at the overview of this um, vision that we put out and that's just been talked about with the, the Hope Kids. So we've got life with God, life, uh, life together, life with each other and lights in the world. And where we're gonna start tonight is life with God. It's where we believe everything comes from. And we're not just gonna start with it tonight, we're gonna camp out here for a while. Um, we don't know how long yet, but don't worry, it'll all be what's needed and we're trusting God um, as he leads us into this. And so um, the life with God peace is so vital. Um, we see it throughout scripture, we see um, from the fall, uh, from being with Adam and Eve in the garden, and then the fall, and then God calling out a people of, of Israel, calling out Abraham, and then into the desert they go with fire by, by night and the cloud smoke by the day, and then the tabernacle, and then God has, has them build a temple that his presence would be with his people. And then fast forward, you get Jesus, and John starts off his book, we're gonna be in the end in John 17, but he starts off and says, Jesus tabernacled among us. So Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus came in to be with us. And then he gave through his death and his resurrection, the spirit. And it says, now you guys, y'all, as Paul writes to some churches, y'all are the temple of the living God. You guys are the home of the Holy Spirit. And then at the end of the story, God comes to live with his people. Heaven comes to earth, new heavens and new earth that God would be with us. So we think this life with God peace is everything. It moves into life with each other. It moves into lights in the world. And without our life with God, we don't have those things. So we're gonna stay here for a little bit. We did another slide, you can go to the next one. And this is to help us understand, like these aren't separate pieces. Um, these aren't uh, disconnected parts. This is a part of, a, of one whole. And we overlap them, we see God's kingdom at work when we are invited by Jesus to life with him, which we're gonna talk about tonight. He didn't just stay there. He moved and brought a community of people that would experience the same thing. And then he didn't keep that, that community separate from the world. He came into the hurting and brokenness of our condition, of our human condition, of where we found ourselves. And so then we see those overlapping. And without those things, we, we get off in different ways. And so we wanna focus on that and see that. And you can go to the next slide. What I've already said is that, that we didn't wanna create something new, not something new to hope or something new to Christianity. We wanna look at, we are called to be followers of Jesus. And so when we look at Jesus, what do we see? We see him entering in, having an intimate life with the Father. And then he didn't just keep that intimacy to himself. He, he got a group of, of people together that were really, really different from one another. They were just broken people and he brought them in to be a community. He taught them to love. He taught them what it looked like to live in the kingdom of God. And he taught them about the kingdom of God. And then he took those people and he moved out into the world and he brought healing and hope and light. Um, and he used them to do it. He gave them authority that you would go and be that light. And so we, wanna, we, we only wanna model this vision series off after what we see Jesus doing. That's our foundation, that we are called to be disciples of Jesus. We're gonna talk a little bit more about that. But in discipleship, to recap, 
what we started with um, moving back and zooming out to understand where did this disciple, where does this discipleship to Jesus fit in in the big story of scripture? Where do humans fit in in light of the worldview that we get from scripture? Because we talked about as we gave the Bibles, we get our reality of what God says about the world from the scriptures. And Jesus lived and got his reality and his worldview from the scriptures. And so we look back and we see, you can go to the next slide. We see at the very beginning, God <clears throat> created male and female in our image, in our likeness, so that they would rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the livestock, and over all that God created. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. So we see this commissioning that God created human beings in his image to reflect his glory, but not just to reflect his glory, but to bring his goodness into the world, to cultivate, to create. And we know, um, even fast forward, after it went terribly wrong, Psalm 8, listen to these words at Psalm 8. What are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them. Yet you made them only a little lower than God and crown them with glory and honor. You gave them charge over everything you made, putting all things under their authority, the flocks and the herds and the wild animals, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, and everything that swims in the oceans. O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic your name fills the earth. So, we know that it went terribly wrong and it's hard to read these words that you, you made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor because we see how broken and how messed up things have gotten as sin entered the world. And instead of ruling with God from his wisdom, with him, receiving from him and then bringing his goodness into the world, we said, I will take matters into my own hands and I will be my own God and I will decide what is right and wrong. They took from the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, and they decided because they participated in the spiritual rebellion that was already happening. As Satan rebelled against God and said, I will, I will place my throne higher than the God most high. Satan comes to God's most glorious creation in all the earth, you guys. And he, he enters into the human space Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and he deceives them. He says, did God really say, can you really trust God? And they decided they couldn't trust God. And so we find ourselves in this place. I like this quote from a guy, author named Sky Jathani. It says, but God has not abandoned his creation to sin and evil. He is not a creator who, who rejects and replaces. He reconciles and redeems. And so if we go to the next slide, we talked about the word reclaim, that the story from Genesis, from that breaking, we see that God is one who wants to reclaim human beings back into their original design. So we have to rescue from an undesirable state to restore to a previous natural state. You got this beautiful verse and they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. 
and they shall reign on the earth. It sounds like what he started with and that he gave them dominion over the earth. And the end of the story is saying that the savior that God sent ransomed a people for God, that he would be with them and he would reign with them again. So we talked about this idea of reclamation. One of the stories I told was when I went on walks with my daughter, of a guy down the street named Larry. He's incredible. Not a lot of people are out in our neighborhood, but Larry was always out because he had this old VW bug. I mean, it was completely beat up, but he was out there every day. In the summer, it doesn't matter what condition, and he was working on this bug because in his glory days, he had owned one and he knew what it was like. And he is like, I'm restoring this thing back to when it was just, it was a good times. And so we talked about how, how committed God is to our restoration. When he brings us to himself, he doesn't stop and it's not our work, it's what he's doing. And what's funny is I was thinking about that last, literally last night, I'm not making this up. I walk outside, <clears throat> it's like 8.30 at night and I'm walking outside and I hear this um, terrible noise coming down the street. I mean, it was just like, it sounded like something had gone terribly wrong. And I'm just listening to him waiting. And I see down the street, it's kind of dark. There's some like orange lights, but coming down the street is this um, very old and possibly gonna literally just collapse on the road at any moment, uh, VW van. Do you know, do you guys remember this thing? It's no face, it's just flat on the front. I mean, and it was just coming down and just like gonna fall apart. No headlights, it was completely dark. And there Larry is. And I'm just like walking out the street and I see Larry just like holding on for dear life. And this thing was totally like paper, like trash bags in the windows. And, the, and he sees me come by and he's like, oh. And then he texted me later and he said, sorry, I couldn't stop. I didn't realize I didn't have headlights. And I was like, yeah, man, that's, that's awesome. I said, I like the new project. Um, and, he, and he texted me. And, and he said, this is the idea, dot, dot, dot. And, and you can go to the next, next stuff, right? This is what the picture he sent me. This is his vision. What I saw last night was not this, <clears throat> but oh, the glory of this. It's incredible, it's beautiful. It's an amazing, it's an amazing image. Um, and the point is he, he sees and knows what it was intended to be. And he's willing to stay committed, to see that come to fruition. Um, and you can go to the next, next slide. <clears throat> in our state, in the human beings, glorious creatures, and one of the things that the Bible teaches is on its value, every person you see, no matter what, has amazing dignity and worth. This is a message our world is not saying. Our world says, you should live for yourself, you should make your life about yourself, but you don't have meaning, you don't really have dignity because there's nothing really that happens in this life. You live and you die and there's nothing else. But the story of the Bible has said you were made for glory, not your own glory, but the glory that God bestows as he made us in his image to reflect his goodness, to see, to know, to be that mirror that knows his glory and his goodness reflects it back. But we were in such a state, <clears throat> and you have this long story of the Israelites that there's this, through the prophets, this declaration that God will send a savior. He will send a savior. And the reality is we needed 
a real savior. We needed a big savior because he put, he instituted the law and the law couldn't do it. The law wasn't bad, but it showed us that we were, we needed a savior. And finally, he sends Jesus in a manger born to poor parents in the least likely way God sends the most amazing savior. I, uh, I like basketball and when somebody's a really good shooter, I like the phrase, they're, they're a capital S shooter. <clears throat> I'd like to submit my name as a possible capital S shooter. I'll let other people decide. Dave, Josh Mouton can decide if I'm a capital S shooter on the court. But we needed a capital S savior. And I mean that in that the ways that Jesus saves, the center of his salvation is his death and his resurrection. His blood poured out for us. But the Bible is so clear that Jesus isn't, just didn't just forgive us of our sins, but he's our life with God. He's the bread of life. He's the living water. He's the door to heaven. He's the wonderful counselor. He's our good shepherd. He's the one who brings us to the Father. He is the fullness of who he is, is the savior that we needed. And so God sends Jesus in the, the varied ways that we have life in his name, the fullness of who he is. Made me think about um, the sun, actually. You can go to the next slide, Tiffany. This terrifying image is an image, a real image of our sun that NASA took somehow. I don't even understand the technology behind that. But it made me think about it because for our life to exist on earth, the sun gives us all the oxygen we breathe. Without the sun, we would have no plants that would produce oxygen. Without the sun, we wouldn't have the warmth we need to survive. Without the sun, we wouldn't have the weather patterns we would need to survive. Without the sun, we wouldn't have gravity and we would be cast off into the solar system to crash into the next thing. But by the time we crash into that, we'd be a block of ice so no one would have to worry about it. But that's not gonna happen. The sun's still gonna be here. But also the sun for life to exist here that we experience from that big ball of fire that's in the sky, we didn't just need it once to show up, to start life and then disappear. If it disappeared, the life the sustaining life would still be needed and we wouldn't have it. And in the same way, we didn't just need Jesus one time. The focal point of all of his salvation was his death and his resurrection, that he paid our price, that he didn't stay dead, but he defeated death so that we could be with God forever. And we need that every day in the same way that we need the sun to be in the sky every day. And we would not be okay if tomorrow we woke up and it wasn't there. You can go to the next slide. This um, brings us to the amazing place where God's salvation of human beings also comes in this small place where he comes to a fisherman and a tax collector and he simply says, follow me. He says, follow me. And he leads them into the life that God intended for them to have. And he does that for us today, right now. One of the things that I've 
talked about with this word discipleship is I met with uh, Caleb. He wanted to learn about the circles, so we had breakfast, and he talked, we talked about the circles. It was great, and I talked to Caleb about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And I said, one of the words that helps me is that we are his apprentices. And, um, and that's helpful for me because it has a connotation of I'm with that person, I'm learning from them, I'm receiving from them. Um, and I asked Caleb, what do you, do you kind of, what do you think of an apprentice means? And he's like, is it kind of like a sidekick? I was like, I like that. I like the word sidekick. Um, I like the idea um, of being tagging along and going, I'm going wherever you're going and I'm sticking with you and wherever you go, I'm gonna go. Um, and I know it's trivial, but it made, me, uh, it made me laugh because I thought of Caleb <clears throat> in the next slide. Caleb has a lot of, um, he's got a lot of uh, experience with sidekicks. I know you can't read that, but this is as soon as Caleb could learn to write. This is one of the chairs in our playroom. And this said, sidekick Beckett's chair. Caleb has a brother who's four years, three and a half years younger than him named Beckett. Caleb's 10 years old right now. And so he designated this chair to be sidekick Beckett's chair, which is right next to him. You can go to the next slide and you can see this is four years ago. That's big Caleb and that's his sidekick. His sidekick looks a little bit more intimidating, um, but his sidekick um, wants to be with him wherever he goes, learns from him and everything that Caleb does, for better or for worse, learns from Caleb um, and gets to know him. But there's also that huge piece of presence that he is right next to his brother in that seat. So you can go to the next slide. <clears throat> what I wanna camp out on um, in as we get to our um, scripture tonight, what I wanna camp out on is what I believe God's number one goal in our salvation and our discipleship are the beautiful words in John 17 that are Jesus's prayer for us. Um, and I, I want us to sit with it because I believe this is the core of everything that we're moving forward with life with God. And then even as we move into life with each other and lights in the world, this prayer is a prayer that Jesus prayed right before he's about to be betrayed, tortured, and killed. And so when we are hearing this prayer, we're hearing his heart right before he's about to die. The things that are closest and nearest and dearest to him, he's lifting up to his father. And so you can go to the next slide. It's John 17, 24, starts, Father, I want those who you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. The glory you have given me because you have loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. These are the words that Jesus prays to his father right before he knows he's gonna step out into the, go to the garden and he knows one of his best friends is gonna betray him. Judas is going to betray him to the authorities and he's processed the torture and the separation from the father that he's gonna go through. And then we hear his heart. 
Father, I want those who you have given me to be with me where I am. Foundational to everything we're moving into, foundational to our pursuit together as a community is that Jesus' heart is that he would bring us into a relationship with himself and with the Father. It's kind of it's kind of like um, <clears throat> this thought that he wants us to get in on the love and the goodness that he has been experiencing from the foundation of the world. I love how he says there in the verse 26, the end, in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself might be in them. I think we see this really clearly in 1 Peter 3.18. You can go to the next slide. We see that for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. Now listen, see the, see the end, see the goal, that he might bring us to God. That his desire and forgiveness and his desire that sin would be defeated is that we could be brought into relationship with God, that we could know his love and be transformed by his love. And he defeated death so that nothing could separate us from himself. And so do we, do we see his love in this? Not just theological truths that we all believe, but that the God of all creation went to these lengths. This is not just Jesus's idea. The Father and the Son were co-conspirators in this plan. They were co-conspirators. They both shared the same heart. That the broken human condition that you and I, in the state that we are in, could not live in his kingdom forever with him. And so he was willing to do whatever it took to bring us to himself. I think of um, the scriptures even in Hebrews where it says that Jesus for the joy set before him endured the cross or the prophecy of Jesus in Revelation, uh, not Revelation, Isaiah 53, where it says out of the anguish of his soul, he will see and be satisfied. So for the joy set before him, he endured the cross out of the anguish of his soul, he saw and was satisfied. We see what was the joy and what did he see? We see in scripture, it's very abundantly clear. God is totally self-sufficient in himself. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need anybody. Even when he asked them to create dwelling places for them, a temple, a tabernacle, he also made it clear, and there's, there's scripture, he made it clear, I don't need a place to live. You can't, I'm, I dwell in the heavens. I don't need your house. Uh, well, we're giving sacrifices to you. We'll give you the, the bullets. And he's like, I don't, if I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you, as another scripture says, that I don't need your stuff. So he's self-sufficient. So the joy set before Jesus and what he saw in his anguish that satisfy him was us in that Revelation 5, a people ransomed by the, by the blood of Jesus, a people for God, to know him and to reign with him forever. And when Jesus broke in, to the earth, he said, there's good news. Repent, change your mind, repent. There's good news, the kingdom of God is here. And so he brings it here and now 
and it is coming forever in perfect communion. But when Jesus went and he went to that cross and when he prayed those prayers, his vision was for us to be saved, to be reconciled back to him, to know his love, and that that would start now. Not some future day, not save you now and wait until I die to go to heaven, but to know and commune with God here and now so that the life that was in Jesus would be in us and that the only way we live forever is that we have Jesus' life in us right now. So when I think about that heart of Jesus saying, Father, I want those who you've given me to be with me where I am, I think about this shared love of Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit. I think one of my favorite quotes about the Holy Spirit, you can go to the next slide. This is uh, from C.S. Lewis. Um, The most important thing to know, talking about the Trinity, is that this is a relationship of love. The Father delights in the Son, the Son looks up to his Father. What the Christian means by the statement, God is love, is that the living dynamic activity of love has been going on in God forever and has created everything else. In Christianity, God is not a static thing, but a dynamic pulsating activity, a life, almost a kind of drama, almost, if you will not think me irreverent, a kind of dance. Hope it's not too irreverent, but I love the thinking as you hear the heart of Jesus before he dies that he knows the love of Father and he's praying for his disciples. I want them to get in on this. This is what they were meant for. This is what they were designed for. This is what they gave up when they rebelled against me. They don't deserve to be in my presence. They don't deserve to know my love and live in the goodness because they had broken that. When sin entered in, they had broken it. But Jesus came in expressing his heart that we would be received back into that beautiful, glorious relationship being baptized in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, making disciples of all nations, teaching them to do all that Jesus commanded them, teaching them to love God with everything they have and love their neighbor as themselves. Because Jesus is saying, this is the future. This is the kingdom. This is what eternity will look like. Shared love of humans with their, their creator and with each other real and a new heavens and a new earth. This is the future. This is what I'm inviting you into. This is what I'm saving you into. The righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. And I think this is really important because when we think about being disciples of Jesus and we are his apprentices, we are learning from him, we are with him, we are present the first thing he does is lead us to the Father. And he told Thomas, I'm going away. And Thomas, I don't know where you're going. And he said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And so he leads us to the love of the Father. But more importantly, as we look at his life, we need to understand everything Jesus did, everything he commands us to do because he demonstrated everything that he commanded us to do. He lived in that way. It all came from knowing the love of his father. You can go to the next slide. 
in Matthew 3. And it says, when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. This baptism took place before Jesus's ministry. He had it in Matthew, he hadn't done a miracle. There hadn't been a recorded act of Jesus. He hadn't preached a sermon yet. He hadn't done anything. But as he comes up out of the water, God the Father speaks over him. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then we see the life lived. I don't know if you ever just like read and, and look at Jesus and look at his life, but a man of such boldness and tenderness, he wasn't afraid of what others thought about him, but he was kind and gentle. He was fierce, yet kids loved him. He had authority to cast out demons and to heal the sick. And he had words that people flocked to and it says that sinners regularly came to him. Like this is the man that lived. And the source of all of that, the foundation of it was his intimate relationship with the father. The relationship that he said in John 17, that the love which with you have loved me before the foundation of the world that love that I've been living in here and now, my prayer, my desire, is that that love would be in them. Not that they would just know the things to do, that they would know, memorize the Sermon on the Mount, or that they would believe in the doctrine that their sins are forgiven, but that they would know the love of God. That they would receive life from God, that he leads them into that love. That's the first place he takes us. There's a beautiful um, verse in the next slide. In, uh, we've got it in 1 John 3, 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. That we should be called children of God and that is what we are. Everything that we are gonna talk about and move forward into, whether it's in talking about life with God, we're, we're gonna talk about what does it look like to live in a lifestyle where we are receiving the love of God and coming from that. And everything that we talk about is life with each other, whether it's community groups or discipleship groups or everything that we're doing in lights in the world as we move out into the darkness and we care for those who are hurting and lost and don't know Jesus. All of that comes from this place where Jesus' heart is to bring us to God and that we would know that love that he lived in. Because he was very clear in John 15, he told his disciples, as the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. As the father's loved me, just like the father's been loving me, in the same way I've given you that love. Here's your job. Abide in that love. Another word for a way to say abide is to make your home in that love. Make that your number one priority. So for us as a body, everything that we talk about, I want it that our, our number one priority is that we 
follow Jesus first to receive that love that he lived from because he's gonna lead us into loving God and loving others. That's what we're after. We're after doing all that Jesus commanded us to do. That's what he called us to do in making disciples. But our number one call is to receive his heart and to receive what he prayed for us that day, that we would be brought near and that we would know that love because it is God's love that transforms everything. It's God's love that changes everything. When we move on outside of that, we miss so much. I was hanging out with Matt Lee this past week and we were talking about this and it was a great conversation and Matt was agreeing and he said this phrase, he said, when I don't start with God and he started to list off all the things that that happened and I really appreciated that because I thought about that when I don't start with God, it's easy for us and I think especially the people in this room, a community who truly desires to give God their whole life, it's easy to start with other things without realizing it. To start with what I should be doing or am I doing enough? Do I have my life put perfectly together? And even when we talk about discipleship, Jesus saying, I want you to do all that commandment, he knew that it all came from the love of his father. And without being brought into that love and abiding in it, we cannot obey. Jesus says, if we love, we will obey. And he says, apart from me, without me, separated from me, you can't do anything. But if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit because he knew abiding in him that we would experience the love of God that goes beyond measure. The next time we preach, we're just gonna camp out on Ephesians three in these verses. That's Paul praying for these believers in this church. And he's saying, I pray that you'd be strengthened in your inner being by the Holy Spirit that you would know the love of Christ, its width, its depth, its height, its length, to know the love of Christ that goes beyond knowledge. Paul's saying it's without measure, it's endless. Jesus told the woman at the well, I'll give you water that wells up to a spring of life, a spring that is never ending. Jesus says in John seven, if you're thirsty, come to me and out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. So Paul in Ephesians is praying for these people and he's saying, I want you to know the love of God that's beyond measure, that goes beyond knowledge. And he says, and be filled with all the fullness of God. And that's what I want for my life. I wanna be filled, I wanna know what it's like to go day by day filled with all the fullness of God. And I'm far from it. And I guess my heart is that we pursue that together and believe God for more, that his love truly is available to us. It is never ending, it is abundant. We will not find an end to it. His forgiveness is unstoppable. Whatever we brought in here that we think keeps us from him, Jesus went all the way to show us there is nothing, I will let nothing separate us. I will give my life. I will forgive you of your sins. I will defeat death. I want you to know what you were made for. 
And I believe that we can taste that and know that here and now. We're gonna do a, a whole nother sermon just on the Holy Spirit and that Jesus said, it, was, it will be better that I go away so that the helper will come, the Holy Spirit will come. Our life with God here and now in the middle of this broken world where we still have an enemy that was in the garden is the, it's the same enemy that is lying to us and saying, you can't trust God. He won't come through. Don't expect more. His love is not available to you. Just find some things to distract yourself and do some good Christian things before you finish your life here. And Jesus is speaking, no, I came that you would have life and life abundant. And so our church, wherever we are and in, in, in whatever context, from discipleship groups to community groups to here on Sunday to encounter to night of hope, that we would pursue together that our faith would grow together, that God wants to and will meet with us to fill us with all the fullness of God. And that filling comes from knowing his love. And Jesus did everything it took to take away any obstacles for us to live in that love of the Father. And that's why I wanted to celebrate tonight because that's awesome news. It's really good news. And I want that to become so real to us that everywhere we step in our world, in our work, in our groups, that truly our light would shine. It's not our light, we know that. I don't have to tell you guys that. It's not our light. We are gonna be talking a lot about more of what it looks like to have this lifestyle of pursuit and abiding in God's love for us, of being with him first. Starting with God, not starting with what do I need to do for God? What does he want from me? But starting that, this is not love that we love God, but that he loved us first. So we're gonna be talking about that. But what I do wanna do tonight is spend a little bit of time asking the Holy Spirit just tonight to minister again his love for us, to just remind us. We can have the, the worship team come up. Um, This is not a, a one-time event of receiving God's love on a Sunday night and then moving out into our week. We know this is a life that we live. He has made himself available to us. It's awesome news. The kingdom of God is available. And so we want to live that. We also wanna stop in places like this and ask the Holy Spirit to come and powerfully remind us or speak to us sometimes for the first time how deep that love is for us. Not just that he forgives us, but he forgave us because he deeply wants us to be with him. And it's hard for me when I look at the face of my four-year-old daughter and everything that wells up in me says, just looking at her, you make me so happy. Because she does. Even she's crazy, she makes me so happy. And I think it's hard for us to receive that type of love. Oh, what type of love the Father has lavished on us that we would be called children of God. You hear it in John as he's writing that letter after he had spent that time with Jesus and he had lived that life and he was, wherever he was in his life, he was still amazed in that verses of 1 John. Oh, what love the Father has lavished on us that we would become children of God. And so we are. And so I wanna stop just a little bit tonight and we're gonna sing about it, but I wanna stop and ask God to speak that to us. You can do the next slide. Um, the, uh, I don't know if, 
she's still with me, but in the, uh, no, that's, uh, there you go, that's the one. Um, that is Glacier National Park. Um, it's pretty beautiful. Um, I, uh, I had talked to Randy and Stacy about four years ago, I can't remember. They uh, had heard about Glacier National Park and never been, but they went on a trip out west. Randy and Stacy are my in-laws, most of you know them. Um, and uh, they were really excited to get to Glacier National Park because they had heard about the beauty. And when they got there, there had been a huge forest fire and smoke just covered all the scenery. So they, they couldn't almost see nothing. Good news, redemptive story, they went back years later and they got to see it. Um, but as I was thinking about that, I think um, for a lot of us, um, it can be like that, that the smoke obstructing that image and view doesn't mean those mountains aren't there. It doesn't mean the beauty doesn't exist. It just means some stuff needs to be cleared away. It means that there is the love of God that God has for me and all my unique failures and unique wirings and unique story that God's beautiful, amazing, majestic love, as we see it in Jesus, as he goes to the cross, he gives everything for us. That love is for us and it is available and we can experience it, not can, it's God's desire and intent that Jesus's followers live in that love. And so just like that smoke obstructed the view, we're just gonna ask the Holy Spirit tonight. And again, we'll move forward in our community, continue to pursue this. We're gonna ask tonight, the Holy Spirit will help clear away some of that smoke and we can behold the wonder that God loves us. That he did everything that we might be with him and that we might know the love that the Father had for Jesus would be in us. So I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes. Um, we're just gonna pray and spend a little bit of time asking the Holy Spirit to speak. And then we're gonna sing about his amazing love for us. Father, thank you for this space. <laughs> thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence. Thank you that you want us to celebrate this love. This is an occasion for celebration, for joy. There's just a lot of things in our lives, whether it's our own failures, wrongs done to us, disillusionment with church stuff, burdens we're carrying, stresses, anxieties, weight that feels like the weight of the world. And I just wanna stop and I wanna ask, I'm gonna use the words of, of David in Psalm 8, and I just wanna ask Holy Spirit you to speak. I wanna say, God, who am I that you are mindful of me? Who am I that you would think about me? Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. 
Holy Spirit, will you remind us of how Jesus has loved us? Will you even give us pictures and images tonight? Jesus, how have you loved us? So ask, Father, will you take us back? Those of us here have been following Jesus for a while. Will you take us back to a moment where we were really able to receive your love? Will you remind us of that, of that time, of that moment, that we were able to see it like those mountains without one hint of smoke? Will you take us back, Holy Spirit, to that moment when it became clear? just want to ask you to speak to us tonight. This last question. Is there anything keeping me from you? Is there anything holding your love back? As we sing, uh, have the prayer partners come up in their spots right now. Um, God, will you also just speak to us right now any direction you're calling us to do? Maybe it's to come up and pray with someone. There's a amazing power when we pray together. So will you speak to us? It may be coming up to pray. It may be confession. It may be um, maybe another step. It may be something that happens when we step out of here. We're just gonna ask, is there any, anything you want us to step out of here with, Father? Father, thank you so much for your um, presence with us tonight, for your love that goes beyond measure help us to receive it, not just tonight, but moving out into our days and everything that we do, that we would know your love that goes beyond knowledge and help us to sing it tonight from a place of spirit and in truth from our hearts. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.